Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Look at all these slave masters posing on your dollar. Get it? Man, you better thug out, get the bag and the bug out uh, Try to run home, you might run your luck out Cause just when your base is loaded, they'll roll a grenade in the dugout Earth folk, not a mellow bunch, we got our thumbs in the air like hella bust uh, Look at who we done blessed with our trust, I don't think we'll be left for too much Hand on my heart, on my mind, on my drugs, gotta find a gun Hey, this is Steve Balton, and you are tuned into My Turning Point, where, dude, we have a treat for you this week, with Killer Mike and LP from Run the Jewels, talk about their some of their favorite stoner moments, including the first time they got stoned, uh, the people they want in their stoner flick, and much more. This is a really fun conversation with Killer Mike and LP. Hope you enjoyed as much as we did. So, so for you, from a business tip, I mean, talk about, you know, just what it was that made this the right time to team with cookies and, and you yeah. know. I mean, look, like as, as, a, as an entrepreneur, I guess, if you want to call it, which I always have been to some degree, I've never really delved outside of things that I loved. You know, everything that I've ever invested in has either been music that I love, people that I love, places that I love. You know, I have a, I'm, I'm a partner in a bar called Max Fish in New York. It's because I love that place. I love the people. I met my wife there. I know that, you know, I'm best friends with everyone there. Um, I, I have a, you know, I have a, you know, I'm a partner in a, in a Jewish deli in, in Brooklyn because I grew up on that food and I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an old school New Yorker who, you know, considers that to be a part of my um, history. Um, I've, I've never been someone who was interested in business outside of things that I loved and knew. Um, and, you know, uh, so the idea of doing and getting involved with, you know, weed and, you know, products. It's just, honestly, man, I wish I could say that we're like a super thinking man's operation, but really what <laughs> it is, really what it is, is that we fucking love smoking weed. And, you know, I just don't know how else to simply say it. Like, it, we just really are stoners. And, and like, you know, so the chance to do something and, and be a part of something that we genuinely love, genuinely know to the degree that you can know when your basis of knowledge is just in, in, in smoking, you know, um, it was just exciting, but we've been, but we were looking, you know, we knew that we wanted to get into it. We knew that it was something that we were passionate about simply because it's been such an, you know, we genuinely believe in it. We, you know, we, we you know, we genuinely believe in the product, quote unquote, the product, which is just that we love, you know, we've always loved weed. We've always believed in the politics of weed. We're always aware of the politics of, uh, you know, of weed and, um, we were just sort of waiting for the right time and the right people and the right opportunity to do it. And, you know, people throw different things at you throughout the, you know, and we're known as stone, like people know we smoke, you know, but we didn't want to just jump into it on some like, Hey, we're just, you know, we would just throw our name in, you know, the pot as, you know, amongst everyone else who, you know, I don't know. It, it, it was just simply about timing. I think we just kind of waited until the right situation came on the, the, you know, the cookies thing, you know, the relationship with burner, um, and the fact that it's a top to bottom operation, it's not like, you know, 
um, that it's like real people on the ground that are not necessarily from, you know, it's not like some, it's not like some douchebag politician quitting his job in the, you know, in, in, you know, at a, at a fucking fortune 500 company and being like, I'm, I've decided now that weed is legal that, you know, yeah, fuck, fuck the fact that I've been investing in, you know, the privatization of jails for the rest of, you know, for my entire life. Uh, I've decided that I'm now moving into the uh, private sector and I'm going to open up a, you know, a weed grow up, you know, it's, it, it, there's something scummy about about what has happened and 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 the and the politics of the whole thing so for us it was just like we just kind of sat on the sidelines and sort of waited until something felt cool and felt right because that's the only way that we ever really can get involved in anything and put our name to anything it's just it's just easier that way for us and this was like a real relationship that we had and it was and, and it was rooted in music and it was rooted in you know being stoners and it was rooted in design and art and the things that we all love and and to some degree activism as well and so you know man it just it just it just presented itself and it really felt right and um and and you know and 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 also, I smoked the shit, and I loved it. <laughs> you know? And 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 I've literally now I'm at the point now where that's all I'm smoking. So you know, it, you know, it's we're not you know like I said we're not we're not exactly like the cold cunning <laughs> thinking <laughs> operation here. You know, it's more like if you walk up to a couple of stoners and like, hey, dude, you want your own weed? <laughs> and we're just sort of like. Yeah, fuck yeah. Of course we want our own fucking weed. Yeah, absolutely. And guess what? I'll do the advertisements too. Put the camera on me. <laughs> Just smoke this shit, you know? Um, but, you know, we believe in the whole shit. We believe that it should, that, that you know, on a fundamental level, we believe that it should be available to people. We believe in the legalization of it. We believe that um, people who have been um, wrongly, prosecuted for small quantities of it that have been wrapped up in, in, you know, in the, in the, in the sort of, you know, frankly racist and fucked up, you know, drug policies of America should be, um, should be freed. You know, we believe that, um, um, you know, that the medicinal qualities of, of, of cannabinoids and THC or whatever are real. You know, I, I, I have um, real faith in, in, in that it is a, that just weed is just a fucking gift uh, to, to humanity uh, on a lot of levels. Um, as a musician, I always use weed to, to immerse myself in art and music. It's always very creative for me and inspiring. So it's not a big leap for us and it barely takes any explanation. I think, you know, it's just like, <laughs> we just fucking like weed, man. It's not, a, <laughs> you know, um, well, there's, there's, it's funny because you say that it doesn't require a lot of explanation. There's still a lot to go with that. And dude, one question I, I want to backtrack on because, you know, I grew up in the Valley in LA, but lived in New York a couple of times. What's yeah, the Jewish yeah. deli in Brooklyn? Because I grew up Jewish. Like, you know, you, you touched upon my, you know, and, and yeah. all right. Now, what, what is your, what is your favorite Jewish deli food? I mean, well, I grew up in, uh, I'm half Jewish, so I was always half of my family, my father's side. I was always exposed to, you know, all of the great food, but I mean, even just living in New York, you know, it's a part of the, the, the diaspora, like the, you know, and, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a deli called Frankel's. Um, uh, and it's in, um, it's right on the, right on the cusp of where Greenpoint meets Williamsburg. And, um, um, you know, I grew up on Russian daughters. I grew up on Yonah Shimmel Kanishas. I grew up on, you know, all of the great sort of delis. And, and you know, I grew up with, uh, you know, with a bagel, with, on a bagel with a schmear, you know, like I grew up with, you know, 
you know, whitefish and salmon and lox and, and, and latkes and, 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 you know, pastrami sandwiches and all that shit. So that, all of that stuff was super important to me just as a New Yorker, just as important to me as, a, as, a, as an amazing slice of pizza. Like there are only a few things that in my mind that you can identify as being intrinsically uh, a New York, you know, culinary thing. And, 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 and of course, not, not to say exclusive, but intrinsically in the sense that like, look, if you grow up in New York, and someone offers you a slice of pizza in Nebraska, you're going to be highly suspicious. <laughs> you know? um, it's, the, it's the same thing with a, with, with, with a bagel, you know, it's like, I, you know, um, I, 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 I was doing a thing on my Instagram account for a long time where I would, where I would post pictures of like, of, of horrible bagels, you know, because, because people don't, people don't, uh, understand how to make bagels and mostly in the, in the, in the world, you know, they don't understand that it's not just dough that is toasted and then that's in a circle, you know? Um, so I, 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 you know, I would joke that, it, you know, that it was a new entry entry in my, in my, um, Pulitzer prize winning photo. I say that's not a fucking bagel. Um, but you know, there, there's that. So, you know, it's, and it's all sort of in the same, you know, again, like I said, these are all things that like I go into, I've gone into businesses very selectively and very much like, um, not really with the idea of becoming a mogul, not really with the idea of getting rich, but more with the idea of, of being involved in culture that I genuinely know and love. And there are things about New York that I genuinely know and love. The, the Jewish deli food being one of them that, you know, has sort of drift that, you know, it's sort of drifted away from New York. There's it's, 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 it used to be kind of, um, <clears throat> uh, ubiquitous. And now it's sort of, um, you know, there are only a few places that you can really get something that measures up to the shit that, you know, that I remember as a kid getting. And so we given the opportunity to like promote that and have that stick around and that little piece of New York holding on to that and giving it to sort of the new generation of people who are coming in New York, um, that was super important to me. Um, a bar like Max Fish, of course, which is a famous, famous dive bar. And like, you know, everyone, you know, uh, it's a place where everyone has always been, um, it, you know, it's always been diverse and equal and cheap and good. And it's always been the, the center of culture and, 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 and art and grittiness in, 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 um, in the East Village and in a lot of ways in New York. And so being able to be a part of that and something that means so much to me, it's really always attempts at preserving for me something that I love about the world. And, and I kind of looked at the same, I kind of looked at, you know, getting into cannabis in the same way. It was like, look, I, I love, I believe in this. I think that there's a right way to do things. I think that there is um, love to be put into this. And um, so, you know, it's not a far leap for me, but I'm not, I'll put it to you this way. I'm not, I don't have like a stock app on my phone, you know, <laughs> I, don't play the, I don't play the market, you know, um, I, you know, the most that I know about anything is like, I know how to buy like a valuable vintage synth, you know, like I, I, I just kind of know what I know. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. I, I, I have hobbies and I have things that I love that I, you know, that I've, you know, just, um, uh, understood over time and, and just, and, and I have personal, I add personal value to it. You know, for me, it has value. So. Yeah. It's really funny. Cause you know, being with Forbes, you know, you talk to so many people about, you know, the combination of music and business and, you know, people will reference like Jay-Z for example. And I love Jay-Z. I've only met him once. He's fucking genius. You don't know, no, nothing you get, but it's like, it's interesting because as you're talking about, I really appreciate, you know, the band Afghan wigs and Greg Dooley. Sure. 
Yeah, I love Dooley. I've interviewed him every motherfucking album since 1994. But he, like, same thing. He owns, like, a couple bars in L.A. that just places that, like, the shortstop that he was a fan of. And it's like, it sounds like you have more of that ethos of it's like, again, it's not, you know, people say, like, oh, shit, we're doing Forbes. We want to talk about, you know, this and, you know, or, like, Diddy and his fucking Chirac and stuff. But it's like, but there's also something to be said for just, like, all right, dude, this is just, like, now I have money. This is what I love. Uh, you know, absolutely. And it's like, look, I, you know, I mean, everyone has a different perspective on it. I'm just being honest about mine. It's like, I, you know, I don't have um, necessarily the same aspirations as other people do. I, I, I want to be involved in things that are, that have life and that have joy in them. And I, and, and as I got to the point where, so my, as I got to the point where, um, you know, I started to get opportunities to do some investing and stuff. I, it was, that was just what I followed personally. So doing, you know, doing this feels like just an extension of that. I know that me and, and, and this cuddly bastard over here, um, I know that me and Mike basically from the beginning, it's a very run the jewels thing to do to finally have some shit that we both like that we can smoke. I'll put it to you that way. Like it used to be that me and Mike would be like, it, the, the thing that we would say to people would be like, Hey, he's a sativa guy. And I'm a, you know, I'm a sativa guy. Mike's an, an indigo guy. And like, you know, so for us to just do something to like, for us to get involved in, we, 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 we've made all our records completely stoned out of our minds at all times. There's literally not one moment that we're not completely high and giggling and having fun with each other or concentrating or whatever it may be. But you know, it, it's just an extension of our friendship, man. There are things that me and Mike agree on that we really love. And so to get, so to get into something like that is, you know, with your friend is, is, it just feels natural. It doesn't feel icky to me. It's not like it's not like we're, we're we're getting like a money market manager or like a business manager and saying like, find me a, you know an opportunity in tech. <laughs> you, know? Like, you know, it's just like no, it's just fucking weed. Not a big deal. Like yeah, you guys like weed, right? Yes, we like weed. You know, <laughs> so. But you know what's funny about that? And hey, what's up, Mike? It's uh, it's really funny because and we we've just been sort of jumping on like actually we were just talking about Jewish jelly food. So you know you haven't missed that much. But what, what I was going to say is that, you know, it's really interesting because I've known Be Real for many years, right? And we were doing an interview maybe a couple of years ago about this. And we were talking about, and it's like, dude, one of the things he was talking about was like, you know, Cypress Hill as a brand is so closely associated with weed. So many people came to them and were like, oh shit, you should do something. Oh shit, you should do something. And we talked about it. And it's like putting out like dank weed, as he put it, would have actually fucked with the Cypress Hill brand. Because, you know, it's like they're so closely associated. with. So for both of you, talk about, like you mentioned the fact, you know, and Mike, that Jamie and I were talking about this before, like the idea of you have to have something that really reflects, you know, who you guys are. So, you know, clearly with cookies, it's something that is just like, okay, like you said, you guys are known as stoners. Everybody knows you smoke, you know, so it has to be something still that has that, you know, run the jewels quality. It can't just be like, okay, cool. We're going to just jump on the first, you know, freaking weed thing that comes along. That's 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 part of the reason we fuck with Burner. Like I've been rocking with Burner since he was an independent, pure independent artist. And if you might get paid for a verse with a pound, you know what I mean. So you, you, if you go going, you go going to the ice cream business, you get in the business with Ben and Jerry's. You know what I mean. So I, I consider Burner or Ben and Jerry's ice cream man. Although we had had other offers from other companies. As diverse, you know, as, as diverse as consor- you know, consortium of companies, Burner just made the most sense. Burner doesn't have to understand hip hop. He is hip hop. 
Vernon doesn't have to understand the pathway to marketing weed. He mastered that 15 years ago. <laughs> you know, so I think I think that um I think that our partnership with Vernon Eliminate is a perfect partnership because they got me and L already. We didn't have to explain who we were, on down to creating the perfect hybrid that satisfies both types, whether you like sativas or indicas. Which is which cannot be understated because me and Mike often disagree about weed, like straight up, like <laughs> you know, which is which is you know, I hate to even talk about this as though it's an advertisement because that's not what it is, but it's just the truth. When me and Mike both got the same, you know, we have been approached by other companies and they bring it, brought us weed, and it's you know, everyone has powerful weed, everyone has good weed, and they bring it to you and you smoke it and you're thinking about it. Uh, me and Mike are often. Despite no matter no matter what, despite how much weed either of us may have at any given time when we're in the studio together, sometimes I just can't. I couldn't smoke my shit. It was too goddamn. It was too much of a downer, and Mike couldn't smoke my shit. It was too much of a downer. So you know, for what it's worth, me and Mike both were sitting there and trying this, and of course we had the relationship, and then we smoked it, and we were like, "This is awesome. We both like this." So you know, like, and, and when you're stoners, you, that's kind of all you kind of got to do. You got to be cool with us. And then you just got to like get us high and make us smile and we'll be like, okay, yes, we'll do it. You know, it's not that it's not a big deal. We're certainly not like uh, particularly Machiavellian about the whole fucking thing. You know, what's funny about it though, too, is it's an interesting thing because it's like, um, you know, I, I think, God damn it, I'm not going to lie. I just lost my fucking train of thought and I'm not even stoned. Stoner. <laughs> See, that's what, you know, I, it's conversational. So it'll come back to me in a second. But you know what? For each of you, what what's been okay? Take me back. Like, when did you guys both start smoking? What what was that first? What was that first smoking sort of turning point moment for you guys where you were like, "Oh shit, this is." Because I'm not gonna lie, the very first time I got high was a contact high at a fucking Rush concert in 1983. Wow, that's there amazing. were people next my, to me who were smoking, and I was like, "Okay, you know." And that's, that's pretty my mother. First. My, my mother Denise. Was a diehard seller. She rolled perfect joints. <laughs> she would smoke on, on the way to take it. Like I, we stayed with our grandparents, so on Friday nights, your mom picked you up, and then she took you to school on Monday mornings. Mom would have the window down, token a joint on the way. You would be <laughs> fucking going crazy. She'd take you out of the car, spin your little ass around, spray some perfume on you, and tell you if the teacher said something, tell that bitch to call me. That was my first experience with just. But the first time I got high, Jamin, Jamin Freeman would steal weed from his dad. And I think it was like sixth or seventh grade bathroom, rolled up to smoke in the elementary school bathroom. And my friend Robert Hicks, who later went on to play for the Buffalo Bills, his mom was the school secretary at the high school. And I tried to get Robert to smoke. He would not. And I'm happy because my friend wouldn't have gotten drafted. But I didn't like weed then. It was just like, ah, this is bad. I, I went through high school, sold a little weed in college, sold weed, but never smoked. Would have to pick up my friends to test the weed I was buying. But when Big Boy and Dre were recording AT Elements, I sat with Big, and he had some orange-butted, I don't know what the fuck it was. We got <laughs> so stoned in his basement that when his aunt came down to tell us to come up to sing Happy Birthday to his mother, we could not move. <laughs> Big boy laughed at me hysterically. We managed to get upstairs. I forgot the words to happy birthday. And I, rem I remember Bone Thugs and Harmony playing in the background on MTV. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I love that story. Uh, for me in New York, it was a different story. I was smoking 
see, here's the thing about New York. When you grew up in the time that I grew up in New York City, there was no good fucking weed. There was only weed. You never got a choice. You never were. You never, there, there was no fucking menu. There was no goddamn idea what it was going to do to you. You were put. You were putting a loaded pistol with one bullet in it to your head every single time. And yet we still pursued it. I feel like the fir- and and the links that we would have to go to pursue weed as kids, as teenagers. Now I started smoking in seventh grade. I got kicked out of high school twice. I'm not sure if there's a correlation about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nor did I go back. I, I was out of high school at 16. So, but we, the links that we had to go to in, in New York city were unbelievable. Not only did you not know what the, what, what the high was going to be. You didn't even know if the shit was going to be weed. It was a 60% chance you were going to get. <laughs> and I have gotten these things, oregano in a bag or some sort of vermin shit. That we don't like either squirrel, bunny, or rat shit in a bag. This is this is the type of shit that we you would get when when they finally introduced when when we started finally hitting. Um, and so, I, well, so the backup. I don't know when I first did, but I'm I'm guessing it was something similar to Mike's situation in the sense that I think it was this kid Michael, and I forget his last name, whose dad had some weed. And but but you have to understand, we were on the hunt for weed for so long. It's all we wanted, all we wanted to do. I was from a generation for some reason that wasn't doing coke, wasn't drink. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't. We were drinking beer. But we didn't, like, I don't know how we escaped hard drugs, but my, my class, my friends, my, friend, my friends, my generation or whatever, we were just trying to get high, man. And it, we just... It was weed in 40s. That yeah, was weed yeah. in 40s for us. For the kids ahead of us, it was like six, it was like Cisco and cocaine for the guys that were like little owners, but... But yeah. it was just weed and 40 ounces. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. That was our generation for some reason. We didn't do any hard drugs. And... But for but but the thing about it is 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 like it was such a victory. Like you would have like you might have five dollars between you, and and in New York City that meant you were going to spend the next hour to two hours in Washington Square Park, circling the park, incredibly paranoid, or Tompkins Square Park, incredibly paranoid, trying <laughs> trying to make eye contact with one of the dozen drug dealers in the fucking in, in the shit. To, to, to try and of course you're a kid so you're kind of nervous and shit and you know getting a bag of weed was literally and a nickel bag of weed was literally entertainment for us you know my whole my old friends in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a city in a harsh ass city and it would just it would just provide us with like hours of fucking entertainment and joy and then sometimes it would provide you with what we call the pain cave which is when you got the wrong weed and the pain cave hit and then everybody curled up into a ball and wasn't talking and wasn't having fun in life but in new york city when it started to change Juice bars started being fronts for weed, right? They would do juice bars. And then bodegas started being fronts for weed. And that's when the hydro, quote-unquote hydro, came into play. And that was like the best shit to do. But again, you're not true. There was no, we didn't even know the terms indigo and sativa. That was ridiculous. Like we knew the terms <laughs> weed and hydro. So it was like, you don't know what you're getting. You just know it's getting you way fucking higher than that other shit they used to smoke. So like when, when, when the legal, you know, legal marijuana started to, started to emerge and we started to experience it. It's like going to fucking Amsterdam as an American for the first time from our generation. It was the most amazing thing you could possibly imagine because like, wow, I don't have to, I don't, I'm not 
like I won't get arrested for this. I can actually sit somewhere and be a normal person and smoke this thing. But yeah, I, I wish I remember the first time, but it was basically from seventh grade on as much as possible. That was basically my thing. See, the reason I was cracking up, you're telling that story. I went to NYU for a couple of years. I transferred there, and, and I just remember this one roommate. Oh, so, you know about the, so you know about Washington Square Park. You know oh, yeah, my people. roommate, who, you know, one of my dorm mates, whose name I won't say because I don't know what the fuck happened to him, you know, running oh, through, like, no I, snitches. I, don't, I, don't, I actually do remember his name. He was this crazy, like, funny-ass fucking bald guy who everyone just thought was the coolest guy. He was fine. There was nothing wrong with him. But I remember him walking through you know, buying a bunch of acid in Washington Square Park and then realizing it was nothing but paper and him just being so mad and going, trying to go back to the park to look for the guy. And we were just fucking laughing our asses off at him. You know when you're not but, laughing? You know when you're not laughing? And I was just talking to one of my oldest friends yesterday about this. You're not laughing when you trust one dude to go out and get the weed. You all gather your money and you have $10, $20. And you say, and, and one dude is nominated to go to the fucking seediest part, to, you know, you know <laughs> park, whatever it is, to get the bag and come back because you know that that's literally going to be your entire night. And he comes back with some bullshit. He comes back with some. <laughs> that's that's when you're not laughing, <laughs> when you don't have money, <laughs> when you got no money, and you really want to be high. Now back to my train of thought from earlier, though. It's really funny because right, and, and you know, like Mike, you mentioned, you know, with Big Boy and stuff, and. I did a piece with Big Boy that I really freaking love talking about Budweiser and, you know, what that meant to him because of, like, you know, growing up with it and, you know, all that. And it's like, you know, look, this is one of those things. It's like as you start to have success, right, you get to do all these different things. And it's like it's kind of fun and it's kind of cool. But just strictly as stoners, did you ever imagine that you guys would have your own strain of weed that there would be? You did. Yes, we did. 100%. I knew it was going to happen. I didn't know how it was going to happen. <laughs> I'm forever. I'm like, yo, run the jewels is going in the hall of, don't know how, but I know what I knew it was. <laughs> and I'm glad it was. Because the, uni- the universe leans toward the arc of justice. It's just that these two stoner motherfuckers have a brand of weed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that we, I think that, we, you know, I think that we, we just always knew that we, you know, we wanted it. We always knew that we would love to be involved in it. You know, like it's a passion thing. You know, if you like, it's the same reason why, you know, you collect sneakers. You maybe one day you want your own sneaker, you know? All right. So yeah. now for both of you guys too, it's funny because I, I talked about this with Trevor when we started talking about the story a while back, you know, for me, just as a fan, cause I grew up on like Cheech and Chong shit. You know? Yeah. 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 So, so will there be the run the jewels stoner buddy flick? 100%. 100%. We're already working on it. Yes. Absolutely. 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 Yes. All right. So, wait, you're already working on it. I mean, now, you know, there's a lot of Cheech. Will it be closer to Cheech and Chong? Will it be closer to Harold and Kumar? Is it a mix between the two? Like, what, you know? Imagine if the Blues, no, imagine if the the blues brothers. brothers, if the Blues Brothers were high as fucking actually busting <laughs> shots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. All right, so who's the dream person to direct this buddy flick, man? Oh, uh, we've got a we've got a list, man. We're 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 we don't I don't want to say anything because it's it's actually something that we're very passionate about. It's something that I've been trying to like dream about and make happen. And we've got like a little bit of a basis for the for the whole thing. And it's something that me and Mike, me and Mike, love being in front of the camera together, like doing getting those opportunities. We've done we've done a little bit here and there, and it's always 
we just have a chemistry. So it's just something that we, you know, we, we think of ourselves in a lot of ways as, you know, as, as, you know, Blues Brothers or, 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 or Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy, you know, depending on what mood either of us are in. And, um, you know, we, like growing up on those buddy cop and those action movies and those like scoundrel action movies like the Blues Brothers. And it's woven into the fabric of, of, of the way that we imagine our characters as Run the Jewels, you know? Killer Mike and LP are those dudes, are they, they, you know? Um, Jamie and Mike are different and Jamie and Mike come, you know, Jamie and Mike make appearances on our record as well. Um, but, uh, and, and also I, I'm sorry, I'm talking this much about myself in the third person. It's embarrassing. But, <laughs> but um, nah, dude, for sure, for sure. We intend to do that. Yes. It's, it's something that we, uh, you know, I, I won't feel satisfied until run the jewels has the, the, the run the jewels action buddy stoner flick. All right, now, oh, man. Now. It's gonna be Guy Rich. It's gonna be Guy Ritchie meets Blues Brothers meets Cheech and Chong meets motherfucking Goonies, man. It's gonna be insane. Exactly. All right, now, so wait for RTJ four though. You guys brought in a lot of you know guest stars. You had a lot of a lot of features on there. So now taking this to the stoner thing for a second, you know, there's a lot of great stoners in music. Give me two or three of your dream cameos for. The Willie Nelson yeah. immediately. Willie Nelson. Nelson. Immediately. Willie Nelson. Yeah. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Cheech and Chong. Cheech and Chong immediately. Yeah. yeah. Please get. Please give me any of the Marleys. I would love Rita to pop up as a as like the Oracle to yeah. pop up. Let Rita Marley pop up on us. I'm down for that. Um, who else? M M I A. Seth Rogen is invited. Seth Rogen is invited. You know what I mean. Um, I think, you know, yeah, I mean, that's part of the joy of it, too, because, you know, you grow up on these sort of cult classic, you know, stoner films, and they always filled them with, like, you know, filled them Rita with... Rita Franklin, and man, think about Rita Franklin when she popped up singing <laughs> in the blues. Oh, that shit was insane, man. Was Come on. Yeah, yeah. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You have been tuned in to My Turning Point with special guest Run the Jewels. Thanks for joining us.